Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Iran Blog Talk Radio Show with your host, Minister Amber. And you're listening to it on the Win Network. Yes, that's right, Win Network. Together, we win. They do. Yay, yay, yes. Yes, it's another Tuesday night. Good evening and welcome to our third season of the Irene um, Blog Talk radio show. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, my friends. I am Minister Annie Bell, the host and creator of Irene Blog Talk radio show, and it is an outreach of Wealth Management Ministries Incorporated. We are endeavoring to bring talk therapy to survivors of child abuse sex trafficking, and other traumas, as well as providing awareness and resources for prevention to the community. So tonight, as you know, the whole um, January, um, we have been focusing on sex trafficking. So uh, tonight, we are doing our finale show for that series, and we're calling it Unbroken. And so as our um, uh, description says, you know, Drop a a precious vase on the floor and watch it as it shatters into tiny bits and pieces. But when you first look at it, it may look like, oh, my gosh, I can't put this thing back together. Many survivors of sex trafficking feel feel like that broken vase. They think that they are no longer worthy and they are reduced to live shattered lives for the rest of their time here on Earth. So many pieces that has to be put back together and to figure out how it gets goes back again. However, you know, many just don't know and don't understand that unlike the vase, the human spirit is so resilient, um, so much more resilient than that vase. With God's help, we can put the pieces back together to become unbroken. So tonight uh, we have Sade Angela She's going to speak candidly about her life as a troubled teen who walked into the snares of a trafficker at the tender age of 16. We are also joined by her mom, Angela Paisley, to uh, give you the story from a mother's perspective. It is a groundbreaking finale um, of our series on sex trafficking uh, to commemorate our Sex Trafficking Awareness Month. 
So without further ado, please welcome Sade and Angela to our studio. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. We appreciate you making the time to come on this evening and, um, you know, more more uh, appreciation to the fact that uh, you guys want to do this, want to come out and share your experience so that you can maybe save another person's life, save another mother from having to go through what you went through, Angela and uh, Sade, for you to... Um, you know, have the strength and courage. So I applaud you, first of all, uh, for for being able to do that. And you're still so very young. Most people who have been on my show who are survivors, they have been survivors for 20 or 30 years. And so, um, but for you, it, it's still, uh, you know, pretty new. Pretty, so I appreciate you having the thoughtfulness and the, um, you know, the forethought to just come out. And, and talk about it. So I applaud you this evening. Thank you so much Thank for having me. You're very welcome. She's so sweet, ain't she, y'all? Um, <laughs> before we get started, because I really, you know, uh, in my show, I really like the, the, the our guests to really bond with our audience and our audience to be able to bond with you. So just briefly, um, Sade, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, you know, uh, without going into your story, because we're going to go into that, but just briefly about yourself. Okay, for one, I'm really shy. (laughs) 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 This is coming out of my comfort zone, but um, I really, um, I'm 28, I have two kids, Um, I'm still in the process of healing, and, you know, this is really, to me, therapy, so um, I'm still on a journey of recovery, pretty much. And this is definitely a part of my healing. Amen. Process. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's wonderful. Um, and I and I love how you said, you know, that this is therapeutic for you. Um, and yes. So because you're right. Um, one of the things that we the reason why we call it talk therapy is because it's scientifically proven that after trauma, uh, just talking about it in a safe environment actually mm-hmm. begins right at that moment, begins your healing process. So um, since you've already been talking about it, I am I am sure that you are moving up uh, those levels and um, and really conquering your, your healing. So uh, I applaud you. How about you, Angela? Share a little bit about uh, you. Yes. Well, wonderful. And thank you so much for having me. I am Angela Marie. And I'm Shadi's mother. I'm also um, the founder of our nonprofit organization, Fashion for Life, which brings global awareness uh, to human trafficking and programming by addressing, addressing and redressing those impacted by human trafficking. So her story and our story has become basically my life, you know, and, mm-hmm. and being able to um, take something that was so tragic and so painful and to use it as a platform for power and to give yes. God the glory. Is, um, Come on, somebody. <laughs> this is what we do. So, yes. you know, um, once uh, the enemy coped us with this, I just decided I'm going to beat him with it as far as um, being an advocate for such a cause like this. Come on, man. I tell you, it, it, I, uh, 
chills, okay, going down my spine just because there is such an anointing on, on your on your lives. And um, hearing y'all together, I mean, it's keeping, I mean, it's everything that I could do to not start weeping um, because it, it's glorious in my eyes. And I believe the Lord is, um, uh, he is satisfied with what y'all are doing. And so um, it's precious in his eyes. So I thank you again um, for, for coming on this show. Now, uh, everyone, the audience, you know that I have rated this as a PG-13. Yes, I want you to bring your kids. Yes, I want them to hear what we're talking about today and uh, tonight and every night because it's a it's about saving them. Um, and, you know, so bring them in, but don't leave them by themselves. Please come bring them in and sit down with them so that we could you could all learn and um, and have really in-depth conversation even after the show. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, and we're going to, you know, I want to talk Sade first, if I may. And if you could share with us, I, I know that uh, there was an incident, uh, an abuse that you had suffered as a child. Um, can you talk about that first? Um, yes, well, one that I can remember um, I believe my mom went out one night. It was probably her one of her first nights ever going out having me, and she left me with her babysitter, and um, the babysitter's son ended up molesting me. And um, I don't remember exactly, you know, the process, but I do remember that feeling, mm-hmm. the pain, and um, that's probably something that stuck with me for a while, you know. But not knowing what was the issue, I never really understood what was, you know, what happened. Mm-hmm. So um, it didn't affect me mentally back then that I know knew of. But I'm pretty sure it had, you know, some effects on how I, you know, acted sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Especially being so young, at like maybe five or six when it mm-hmm. first happened. And you know, I agree with you there probably there was trauma because a lot of times we think we're so young that it doesn't you know impact us but it does and um and I don't know if you've heard of multi-victimization or poly-victimization and that is when once a child has suffered through a uh, traumatic uh, uh, experience whether it's sexual abuse or child abuse it uh, and even you know, if there was some, if there's some domestic violence or anything like that going on, um, what it does is it it breaches the understanding of that child, and then um, they're trying to scramble to understand. Wait a minute, it doesn't feel right, but he, you know, they're saying it's okay, but it doesn't feel right, and and they are trying to understand the mixed feelings. And so it also puts them in a place of a situation that if um, something else compromising ever happens, uh, that they get kind of into a, um, the, you know, when the fear will mobilize them and, um, or immobilize them, and they're unable to really think through what's the next best thing to do. And so, 
I, you know, I'm not going to guarantee, but I believe it impacted you um, in in your stages of growth and development. Um, mm-hmm. and, and which leads to the, the the other question, you know, when did you start running away and, and why? Um, I really started running away at the age of 14. Um, it was an incident, I believe, my, I want to say that was my first time running away, but um, it stated back to um, I ended up getting raped at school. And I was 14. That's something I really have never really talked about either. I've always mm-hmm. just talked about the kidnapping, but I've never went back as far as age of 14 when I was raped at school where um, I was actually in the hallway. And the way the school was set up, it was actually an alternative school. I ended up getting kicked out of regular school. Um, the guys ended up holding the doors down so that this guy, this boy that was in school would, could rape me. So I ended up getting pregnant out of this situation. And at that time, everybody at school was like, how do you get pregnant? Because your mom won't even let you go outside. You know, like they was just like, they didn't really believe, you know, that it happened. And so I ended up running away from home because of that. Mm -hmm. That was really probably my first time running away because I was just so... It was just so much going on, you know, the fact Mm -hmm. that I was pregnant, the fact that I had got raped, you know, and I honestly didn't tell my mom about the rape until the pregnancy. Wow. Wow. Um, I kept that to myself. I was just angry. You Mm -hmm. know, I was just really mean and upset and to myself and rebellious and, you know, she never knew Mm -hmm. until I, I got pregnant and I ended up running away, um, and I was in the streets, and I ended up having a miscarriage. So I would say running away started at the age of 14 for me. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, we talk about that multi-victimization, poly-victimization. It sets that mm-hmm. person up for other um, types of victimization. Okay. Mm-hmm. You find that some people coming out of abuse, they will walk right into a domestically abusive relationship. And, um, and I, you know, spiritually speaking, you know, that's the scientific thing of it, but spiritually speaking, we know that when there is, uh, certain acts that happen, there is Mm -hmm. a deposit, there is a spiritual deposit. So those other unholy spirits begin to see, okay, you know, like spirits. And so, um, you know, exactly. It's attracted it tries to yeah, attract the, not to the person, yeah. but that spirit. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And um, yeah, and so I believe that some type of um, you know prayer against it, soul ties mm-hmm. and things of that sort needs to be you know prayed upon, and so that um, to be freed from, uh, if there is any left. I, I know your mom uh, covers you spiritually, so she may have already done all that. Um, yeah. So. Amen. Amen. So, um, and I can, oh gosh, I can understand you going through feeling, un, you know, not understood. You're, you mm-hmm. have a, a myriad of feelings going through trying to cope with um, what you suffered as a, as a five-year-old. Then, you know, um, that leading you to maybe some misbehaviors that you didn't even understand. Mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. then, of course, that other rape happening. So, my gosh, you know, the enemy was definitely trying to set you up. So walk us through when you met the the, the trafficker. Um, you know, me, pimp is a trafficker in my eyes. So uh, when I say trafficker, I'm talking about the pimp. And if I say pimp, I'm talking about the trafficker. So h- how did you, um, you know, meet that person? And um, how did he how did he convince you? to have sex with other men for money? Well, it all started coming from um, me and a couple of girls ended up running away from a group home. Um, I was actually sent to a group home because of chronic runaway. Um, Where the group home was located, it was located probably where it shouldn't have been located at. You know, it was a lot of music. It was a lot of entertainment, you know, so we could hear that, you know, at night we could hear the cars go by, the music, you know, the mall was right there down the street, you know, we was indicator. So we actually, you know, that was kind of like pulling us, you know, to, okay, well, we're trapped in here. We're almost in jail, but, you know, we want to be able to experience, you know, I've already had that runaway in me. So it was nothing for me to be like, okay, yeah, influenced to run away with a couple of girls. So we decided to run away, probably a good five or six of us. And um, we were out there for a couple weeks, you know, living house to house and, you know, just just being teenagers, but, you know, not doing what we're supposed to do. You know, we're supposed to be at home. And... I was tired of it at that point. I was just like, okay, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to, you know, it's getting cold. I've been out here for weeks, you know, I'm looking scraggly, you know, it was just, it was just so many emotions at that time. I was just like, I'm just over it. Mm -hmm. So it was a particular day where I just, I decided that I was ready to go home and I was walking down the street and a guy pulled up in a nice car. It was a nice black car and he rolled down the windows and he asked me if I needed a ride. And I said, yeah, you know, if you could take me to the train station, that would be great. So I get in the car, talking, everything's fine. And I realized that, you know, we end up passing the train station. So I'm like, you know, okay, what's going on? So he ended up pulling out the gun, and um, he ended up pulling out a gun and putting it on the console. And he said, you know, to call my mom to let her know that I didn't need to be found, that, you know, I was okay and that, you know, pretty much that so that they wouldn't have a warrant out for me. So that the police wouldn't be looking for me pretty much. Right. Mhm. So that was my encounter with him. Um he ended up taking me to the hotel where I ended up meeting another young lady. So at that point I'm thinking, okay, since this is another female, everything's okay because I've never been in that lifestyle before. I didn't know what to expect. But she was with him riding for him. So that night he pretty much had me and her on the street. That night? That same night. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. And um, so he basically, you know, how did he coerce you? Did he threaten you or did he try to say, you know, he he, he, he threatened me with that gun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Pulling that gun out in the car once I got in the car was pretty much letting me know that you're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So at that point, that turned into a kidnap situation because... I'm now against my will. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so he takes you to this room, and obviously he's trafficking another girl. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was she and about your age as well? No, she was older. She was okay. older. And I believe she had a little girl. Wow. I think she had a little, yeah, I think she had a daughter. And um, she was working for him. Um, that night, they ended up having us on the street. And um, it was a situation where we were out there on the street, and I believe it was either somebody was shooting that night or some gunshots. But it was a it was a commotion where I end up hopping in a car with a with a car full of girls, mm-hmm. and at that point I'm thinking I'm okay because okay there's some girls there's no men around they can get me to where I need to go, you know I can go home, you know they can I can tell them mm-hmm. what's happening so I started telling them you know like okay you know I'm 16 you know this guy tried to kidnap me and you know I'm letting them know well. They ended up taking me to the gas station where all the pimps met up and basically told me that since I hopped in that in their car that I was now their pimp's property. Oh my so you hopped into a car full of prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mhm. Oh my god. And they yeah. So I hopped in the car with them thinking you know, I didn't know because they were shooting in the air. So mm-hmm. all the girls, you know, it was other girls out there. So they started running to their cars, and you know, I ended up getting in the car with them. Because you know, at this time, I'm like, okay, I'm okay, I'm safe. I can talk to them. There mm-hmm. I'm away from him at this point, and they bring me right back to him and their pimp. Oh my gosh! And, 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 um, since I was in the car with them, they told me that I was now their pimp's property. So I end up having to sleep with someone and give the money to their pimp, and that was pretty much me being sold to the next pimp. Okay. So I never got out there. Uh, I didn't get out that situation. Oh. Uh huh. So you you ran. You were able to get away from the first guy who kidnapped you. Mm-hmm. Then you were mm-hmm. taken to another uh, mm-hmm. set of pimps, and who then sold you, um, and then you are now this new trafficker's yeah. property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. For $200. Um, look, I'm so, I'm so like enthralled in this story that I forgot to take a break. Um, okay. Everybody, <laughs> please sit still. I just got to take this quick station identification break. We'll be right back with Sade and her mom. Welcome back to the Irene Blog Talk radio show. I am your host tonight, Minister Annie Bell, and uh, we're being powered by We Inspire Network Radio. 
Now, we have uh, just taken our first break because I had actually forgotten to take it because I was so enthralled with uh, the story that Sade was telling me about her life. So um, if you are just joining us, she was just telling us how she had uh, gotten away from the first kidnapper who had thrown her out in the street the very first night to work. And um, because of some distraction and some shooting in the air, she was able to get away only to hop in the car full of prostitutes who took her to their pimps. And now she's told that she is his property and uh, she has to work for him and she had to actually service someone that very evening. Sade, D'Angela, thank you for staying with us and telling your story. Um, thank you. So did I did I recap that properly? You did. You did. Okay. Okay. Tell me, what were you feeling the first night that you had to service somebody? Um, I was really, I was confused. You know, mm-hmm. I was really in shock. I don't think emotionally, I could take what was going on you know I was so scared that I wanted to tell him no but I was too scared to say anything so I just let it happen mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. point you know like I think I was just so in shock that everything happened especially thinking that I was out of the situation to only realize that I was deeper in it sure so I mean I don't was, know what was the world I would have done and I'm um, I'm sure that was so scary. What were you saying? I said I, I was probably just round off just to saying that I was numb mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I just didn't, at that point, I was just in shock. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that you're, you know, again, you're a child. I mean, you're 16 yeah. years old. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether you were sexually active uh, before mm-hmm. or not, mm-hmm. being sold is a whole nother can of beans um, or can of worms or whatever, you know, whatever that saying is. And um, so, of course, you know, and, and what I want to make sure that our listeners are, are, are understanding, it does not matter that she was a runaway. It does not matter that maybe she had, you know, a deviant lifestyle before this happened. It does not matter that, um, she may have been unruly and was sent to a group home. It does not matter. She is 16. She is a child. She was being raped and trafficked. And that is wrong. Um, some, our society sometimes feel like it's okay or, oh, well, mm-hmm. she deserved it. Oh, well, it was her fault. And I want to make sure unequivocally, um, undeniably, I want to make sure that everyone understands she did not ask for it. She did not. Um, it was not her fault. Um, she, it doesn't matter what type of lifestyle she led. It does not give anyone the right to traffic this child, period. Um, and that's so important that people understand that because we do have many runaways. There are lots of runaways and some are running away from a bad situation at home some are running away for whatever reasons there may be and um and we want to say oh yeah well you know they're 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 the throwaway group they are not 
these are children. They are they have souls. They um, God it, God loves each and every one of them, and so we as adults need to protect them and not exploit them. So I want to make sure you know our listeners are hearing that. The other thing I want to make clear: a child cannot be a prostitute. A tra- right. a child can be exploited. A child cannot. Because they are a child, they're minors, they cannot give consent for sex. Therefore, they cannot say um, that a child was prostituting. The child was being trafficked, the child was being exploited, and, you know, and we also need to change some of our, com- our, our words, our conversation, and stop calling the exploiters, the buyers and the demanders, stop calling them Johns. Um, John is somebody's name, you know, it's, okay. it's, it's, these people are exploiters. They are the, the demand part. They're the root of this freaking problem. And so we can't, you know, sugarcoat it and call them Johns, but want to call the, the victims whores and hoes and, um, and, and prostitutes. Okay. We, we have to change that. We have to be the ones to take this back and make sure that we are coloring the victims properly, framing the victims properly so that they get the compassion and they get the help that they need um, and not being seen as part of the problem. The problem is the ones that are demanding the sex. The problem lies within, the root of the problem lies with the perverted people who want to buy sex, especially those from minors. So, yes, I, you know, that's a heated topic for me. So, Sade, uh, I hope you hear me loud and clear. Don't you let anyone ever tell you that you are the fault, that you are the problem, that you are the cause. Because these adults should have protected you. They should have gotten you home safely um, to your mother and your father. So, um, you know, if you don't take nothing else from this conversation, from this uh, interview tonight, please make sure you take that home take that with you um did your trafficker uh, give you a quota that you had to you know service a certain amount of men um, per day no my situation was a little different um i did go on the street sometimes with the girls but majority of the time he i was more of his personal but, um, yeah Mm-hmm. Um, and he will also have me go out and recruit other girls. Mm-hmm. So he would want me to watch and see what other females or young girls look like. They were in the same position as me, runaways or screening, um, screening the girls to see if they would want to join us pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was telling my mom, you know, they had as so he had the girls so brainwashed that um they had the girls so brainwashed that it's almost like an occult because they would look at other people that didn't sell or didn't buy as squares mm-hmm. that was the terminology that they would use so you know regular people are squares so if you wasn't doing that you was a square and you wasn't basically part of the the, the the society that they the world that they lived in. So the he end. would literally have me sit and watch for hours movies. 
um, I would sit and watch movies of guys pimping girls, and they would have, you know, pimp parties, and it, it was just a whole society that normal people would never have known, and they look at it as a, a different world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, pimp, and it's, it's, there's a glorification of pimps, um, mm-hmm. and I even hate, you know, pimp my ride, you know, pimp my crib, and, you know, they used mm-hmm. to have the whole pimp convention in Las Vegas, and, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that, that culture has been glamorized, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and again, it's one thing if you are pimping those who want to prostitute. And you know what? I even say, I'm going to go as far as to even say prostitutes, those who are adults and who are choosing to sell their bodies, um, that they are also being trafficked even by mm-hmm. their situation, whether it's the situation right. that they need money. Um, because really, how many young girls sit back in their bed and go, you know what, when I grow up, I want to sell myself to other men mm-hmm. for real cheap. I mm-hmm. want to get my knees dirty mm-hmm. and I want to be forced to have sex with 10, you know, 10, 20 men a night. There's no right. one, no child mm-hmm. thinks about that. You know, it's, this is not a, um, I mean, this is not a career uh, path, you know, um, it's, right. they were forced into it. And some of them, 90 I believe it was something like 95% of prostitutes ha- was molested as a child. So mm-hmm. there is, again, that multi-victimization, poly-victimization that happens, and they, a lot of the children, they feel like that is what they were created. I mean, when I was being abused, I was told <laughs> that as a, a girl, um, I was made to satisfy men sexually, mm-hmm. um, that I had no worth other than that. And, um, and because I, I was there, he could have his way with me. And that's what I was supposed to do. And if I don't, mm-hmm. you know, all these threats came along. And so mm-hmm. I believe those threats because he's an adult. He's, you know, I guess he, right. he knows what's going on. And, and I and I had no idea. Um, and so and that's what happens. And so you have those women that was in that life, that again, was probably groomed. And I'm going to tell you, these traffickers, they are so slick and so, I don't, and they're very smart to be, to be able mm-hmm. to manipulate um, mm-hmm. so many people into thinking that this is cool, that this is, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we heard about Romeo traffickers, those that sweet talk their, um, their victims into uh, doing it to say, Hey, you know, go out and make money for us so we could be together, you know, I love you, you're so beautiful, mm-hmm. um, and and the thing is, the victims, you know, we have our children who are so in need of love and um, from, uh, from someone that they'll take it from such a seedy person, you know? Um, yeah. So you had no quota, you were basically his, uh, you know, little sex slave, and mm-hmm. um, were you required to uh, pleasure him every day yeah. or, you know, okay. Um, and it wasn't, it was, I wouldn't say it was every day, but he would definitely make us um, have threesomes. Um, he would definitely make the girls, you know, all of us do things with him. And it was, 
be disgusting, <laughs> you know. So yeah. that mm-hmm. and I, I, mm-hmm. I, I got introduced into that lifestyle young, yeah. even mm-hmm. though I did things, you know, as a young child, I had never experienced anything to that mm-hmm. aspect. Um, yeah, the first time ever using a tampon was from him being a pimp. Wow. So he, yeah. So he taught me pretty much how to use the tampon for the first time so you know things like that you know kind of stick in your head like wow yeah um you know I had to go through that Mm -hmm. and so uh when and I've you know heard reports read reports of some traffickers they never gave their uh victims a day off even if they were on, if they were sick, or if they were even on their menses, on their period, um, and um, I was reading where they, the traffickers, will force them to wear, to make the the buyers wear black rubbers so that they couldn't see the blood from the menses. Mm. Do you find that mm. to be a true statement? Um, I I can't say that. I didn't. I never experienced that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, wow. <laughs> I've yeah. heard of it. You know, I'm pretty sure they had some ruthless. You know, I don't think he went, he didn't want to put me through that much because I was still a risk doctor being 16. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why he used me a lot for him because, you know, it was more risky. Me being on the streets, getting mm-hmm. locked up, and which still happened. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I had a fake ID and I didn't look anything like the girl. Mm-hmm. And I still did got locked up. Did he provide the fake ID? He did. Mm-hmm. I believe it was from a girl that was previously with him that didn't wasn't with him anymore, and they mm-hmm. still t- had her ID. Like they they he kept things like that, like IDs and any any kind of information that you had, he would have that already. And so. Did he, was it a daily threat to, um, you know, what kept you there? What kept you from running, uh, knowing that he wasn't going to throw you out in the street to, to work? Mm-hmm. Um, but what kept you, you know, because I know the, um, other, the first guy was the gun. For this dude, what yeah. did he do? Well, he actually threatened me, and um, to this day, I have no idea how he, I don't even know if he made it up or if he really knew, Um, but he did tell me that he rode past my house, he found out where I lived, where my parents lived, and he was like, he described me having two cars, he had your sisters out playing in the front yard, and he said, I rode past your house, and he said it, if you ever told or snitched or ran away that I would kill your family. Mm-hmm. And you know, so, that um, for the listeners, that and he, is yeah, not... He did, and, he did, and he did have guns. He slept with his guns next to him. Okay. And that mm-hmm. is not unusual. They will threaten your family, your dog, mm-hmm. your, you know, uh, one even threaten, hey, you know, you're keeping other little girls safe by, you know, satisfying me uh so they will use that mm-hmm. all kinds of things um and again because you're young you didn't know you didn't know what yeah, he was I didn't. Or not. and all you knew was gosh I don't want 
my family to um, to go through. Uh, now, what is the scariest moment out of your entire capture? Because you're how long were you captured at that point? For about I want to say six months. It was goodness gracious. Yeah. What was the what was your scariest moment um for you? Mm, the scariest moment probably it sounds crazy, but I would say my scariest moment probably was the day that I got rescued because I was still so concerned about him coming back to kill my family mm. that I had rather stayed than to have had my family be hurt. Wow. So I was so terrified to even talk about it, even in the custody of police. Yes. yes. <laughs> because he had me so brainwashed that I was just like, okay, now they have me. What's going to happen after this? Mm-hmm. You know? So that probably was one of my scariest, of course, from, you know, the beginning being the initial getting in the car with a guy and pulling the gun mm-hmm. out, and, you know, that was scary. But mm-hmm. also being being set free was scary in its own because I didn't know what else to look forward to after that. Right. I didn't think that far because I never even thought yeah. that I would be back. You know, it's, it kind of they kind of brainwash you into thinking it's the norm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not gonna sit here and say that some days that we didn't have fun. You know, mm-hmm. we, you know, they, some days, you know, he would take us places. We went to um, the circus. You know, we went. You know, he tried to make it seem like even though you're captured, I still can take care of you. Mm-hmm. You know, that you don't have to go back and go back home. And you know, like it was just a lot of brainwashing and. A lot of just not knowing, you know, and I would sit there at night, you know, even though we would go places to do things, but sitting there at night and still can't go anywhere, being in the basement, you know, the basement was finished, but it was still like, you're still trapped. Mm-hmm. You know, so it you, doesn't matter how much in the, oh, that was your, your bedroom area or was it all the girls slept in the basement? Um, it was my area pretty much. They mm-hmm. had me down there because um, it, you can hear if I would try to leave. Mm-hmm. They had he had a dog, so okay. um, mm-hmm. so and the girls they would have their upstairs. But after he told me about my family, he really didn't have words about me leaving because I was so scared. Yeah. And, you know, what you described as far as him doing those nice things, you know, sprinkles of fun, you know, that's part of the trauma bonding strategy. And Mm -hmm. so they try to, you know, show you, hey, I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. You know, being with me Mm -hmm. is great. There was one girl who was being uh, trafficked and he, uh, he would say he would, of course, if she uh, didn't want to do it, he would beat her. And then after she went and serviced the men, he would come. They would come back, and he said, "You know what? Thank you, honey. You know I love you. I'm gonna go get you some McDonald's French fries." And that was the highlight of her day. She looked forward mm-hmm. to times when he would take her to get McDonald's fries because, again, some of them were not fed. 
Uh, a lot of them would go, even though they're turning all this money over to this mm-hmm. man, um, mm-hmm. they were not getting paid and they were not getting fed. They would just have enough clothes just so that they can, again, continue to, to work, quote unquote. And so what you're describing was the, the trauma bonding. The other thing, um, you know, being scared. Uh, I was in a conference the other day with some FBI agents and um, law uh, lawyers and law enforcement, and they were saying that it takes three and four and five, um, up to even sometimes ten times to get the true story out of the victim because they're so scared. And so the mm-hmm. very first time that they're being interviewed, you're not going to tell the truth because you don't know how truthful this trafficker mm-hmm. is being. You know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, so, yes, what you are, what you experienced, what you went through, the fear, you know, and I'm going to tell you that just, you know, you would think the day of your rescue should be the most happiest day. When I asked, when I asked you that question, I wasn't thinking that you were going to say the scariest moment was the day that you were rescued. That is so poignant to me because, mm-hmm. Wow. She was that scared that she couldn't even uh, revel in the time that she got, that she should have been the happiest. Um, Mm -hmm. My God, my heart goes out to you. Um, I'm going to take another quick break. And then when I come back, we want to talk to the mother and get her perspective of um, this whole thing. This whole six months is a long time to be without your child. And um, so we want to talk about that and, and get her perspective on it. Everybody, please keep your cheeks in the seat. We're going to be right back. <laughs> Sadly, today, most of us know at least one person that suffers from addiction or substance abuse. Addiction does not discriminate. No age, gender, race, or classes of people are immune to the horrors of addiction. This epidemic has ruined families, claimed lives, and left loved ones devastated. Over 100 people die from overdoses daily, and over 20 million Americans suffer from some form of addiction. For this reason, author Lloyd H. Bell Jr. has written the book Clean and Serene. The author is an addictions counselor and recovering addict of over 13 years. He knows and has firsthand experience of being caught in the grips of addiction. Clean and Serene provides experience, strength, and hope for the still-suffering addict. It can also be used as a tool in recovery. Whether it is used in a group setting or individually, this book was written to assist in the recovery process and encourage. Integrating inspirational, encouraging, and challenging scriptures, the author has provided a resource that is sure to change lives. If you or someone you know is battling with addiction, this book is for you. If you are in recovery, this is a great resource to add to your toolbox. If you are a group leader or addictions counselor, this is an awesome book for group therapy. Clean and Serene. Scriptural Meditations for Recovery is available nationwide in both ebook and print. Get your copy or a copy for some you know today from Amazon or Barnes & Noble Bookstore. For less than $10, you can potentially change the life of someone currently paying the high cost of living with an addiction. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to I Rain Blog Radio Show with your host, Minister Annie Bell. Again, thank you so very much for not leaving um, and staying with us during our commercial break. You have tuned in to the Irene Blog Talk Radio Show powered by We Inspired Network Radio. And me, I'm your host, Minister Annie Bell. Um, For those who are interested in sponsoring or advertising on the show, please contact our marketing department at 201-477-0469. Also, uh, we have a slideshow going on as we do at every show and um, you're going to see some pictures there of the fashion for life uh, events that has been done and you're going to also see some, a helpline and you'll you'll find if there's someone that you know suspect uh, or if you yourself are being trafficked please call 1-888-373-7888 and that is Polaris um, or call 911. There's someone that can help you. So, um, as promised, we have the mama, um, Angela, <laughs> who is here to, to talk about what she went through during this um, six months. And again, this is groundbreaking because normally we don't have the mother and the child's perspective on the same show. Um, and so tonight, again, we were able to have them both on, which is, like I said, phenomenal, so that we can get a, the full scope um, of it. So thank you, Angela, for um, staying and joining us and um, being such a pivotal part of your daughter's recovery. No, thank you so much for having me. Um, I think this topic is um, it's important, you know, and we need to be able to show that there is two sides to a story. You know, That's right. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And later on today, I do want you to talk about your fashion for life. I, I just love that whole concept. Um, but for right now, let's talk about, you know, what were some of the emotions you felt? I know your daughter had run away and gone to group homes before, but this particular thing was different. Tell me some of the emotions that you were feeling. Well, the, the, this particular time was very. Um, it was. It was. It, I had a discernment that I never had before that she was in trouble. So mm-hmm. it became a very um, intense spiritual battle for me because um, I was attacked so many times in my dreams about my daughter being killed, um, that she was been, you know, taken away by a big bird, and she was still in my wound. I mean, it it just showed me the level of how this is such a dark and a demonic attack Mm. that I had to physically go through the spiritual warfare and then just the physical pain. So I was pretty much exhausted, you know, if it hadn't been for, you know, just the grace of God and staying in prayer. The um, the spiritual battle was real, <laughs> and I, I, think yeah, I think people don't understand. But when you are missing, when your child is missing, you are under a serious spiritual attack, and so is your child. And so, people with this sometimes, if they don't have that revelation, they think, oh, okay, well, you just had a broken heart, and you were just sad. No, there were there were things in the realm of the spirit that were happening at the same time. Wow. Um, and, you know, 
we think discernment, we think, you know, prophesying is some is always something like, oh, you know, you're going to get a car, you're going to get a house. But when God starts giving you visions of what is going on in the spirit realm and the, the true fight, it is scary. Um, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I know when I started receiving that from the Lord, I was like, oh, nope. That's not what I asked for. I just wanted to prophesy about houses and cars uh, and money falling from the sky. Um, Please don't show me people dying and being killed, you know. But um, Mm -hmm. so when you you got that call from your daughter, right? She called Mm -hmm. you to say that she's okay and and you knew your discernment went up right away. What were some of the steps that you took to try to find her? Well, right then and there, I... um, I put out a missing report, uh, person report because we had already filed one because she ran away from the facility, but I called back. Mm-hmm. And one thing I did notice about when filing all of these reports, it was such a laxy-daisy, mm-hmm. you know, attitude towards the police. Oh, well, she ran away, and, oh, you know, it's almost like we don't pay attention to those kind of cases unless it's just an amber alert. Mm-hmm. And, which I feel that um, it should be an Amber Alert. It's just the same, you know. But they have prioritized um, on what they feel that it's uh, a case worth pursuing. And running away is almost like at the bottom of the list. So mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't have a, um, a good response with the police, and that's when I knew I had to take action into my own hands. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad you did. The um, and it's a shame, right, uh, that the police who we are we should be able to go to and trust they um, are not responsive, and or there's so many different protocols and you know bureaucracy to work through, uh, and you just want to find your child, and so uh, we got to have a better system. Um, we do. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, regardless of whether a child decided to run away or not, they are at risk, <laughs> you because know. Because they're children. Um, because yes, they're children. Exactly. And we know that there are crazy people out here, um, perverted exactly. people out here that are just looking to prey upon these children. There are so many kids who run away and they uh, a lot of them they t- turn to survival sex and um and they, you know and they'll say you know some of the authorities will say well they're just they're just choosing to have sex once again these are children yeah. they are minors and so um you know those who are having sex with runaways they if they are minors you are raping them because they cannot consent to sex with you Please understand, exactly. whoever is mm-hmm. listening in, um, th- th- this is not a joke. This is real. Um, and so so you went to the police, and they were kind of lackadaisical about it. Um, and then and then what happened? What, what other steps did you take? I went to the police. I went to the news. 
And one thing, they don't, the news is the same way. I mean, Mm -hmm. you have to almost have a sensationalized story that, okay, Becky walking down the street and, you know, I mean, it has to be almost a theater of protection to get coverage Mm -hmm. um, for a missing child, especially um, uh, black and brown children. Sure. Um, And, you know, and that's just keeping it 100%. Um, Shotty with Becky with the good hair walking down the street sucking on the lollipop, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, we're not going to get the sensational coverage because it, I mean we're not going to get the coverage because it's not a sensational story. And right. so um, you know those again those things were you know very disappointing. However, you know I did have a, a break um, with the action that I took to find her, and that was um, at the time I was working for a company called Mercy Housing. And I was a real estate uh, a property management, was a property management company, and I was one of their um, leasing agents. And on that property, we had a courtesy officer who worked for Zone Four Police Department. And um, at the time, you know, I, I my my boss and my company knew that my daughter was missing, and they were such a such a help with me. Um, they, uh, you know, would let me go home early. I worked the hours I wanted to work, and then I just got to the point I could not work anymore. It's just, the months were going by, time was going by. And so one day my um, assistant manager, she called me into the office, and she said, listen, our whole company is praying for you to get your daughter, and I want you to see if you can work with the police officer on the property. I have spoken to him, and he's interested in helping you break this case. And so I came to the office, I met with him, and I had almost like an attitude like, you know, I don't have time for you to give me smoke dreams. You know, mm-hmm. um, don't tell me that you're going to help me and you're not going to help me. You know, if we're going to have a conversation, I want us to get out on the street and I want you to help me find my daughter. And that day he made a commitment to me. He said, listen, he said, I'm going not only to find your daughter, but I'm going to bring her back home safe and alive. And those words was like, you know, mm. I have a partner now. And yeah. so um, with that partnership, we were able to, you know, he allowed me to meet his chief at Stoneford Police Department, and um, they welcomed me with open arms. They allowed me to work the case as an active citizen in partnership with their um, police department. Um, I was able to at that point, start going undercover with them. I walked Stewart Avenue as an undercover police, uh, I'm sorry, undercover prostitute. Um, so I was able to do things that, you know, normal people or you yeah. know, may not have the opportunity. So it was truly a blessing. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. Um, that one person made a difference, right? Yeah, most definitely. I call mm-hmm. Officer Mark House my Denzel Washington, my man on fire, because truly he was a godsend, and um, he really took this case to heart. I mean, it got to mm-hmm. me that, you know, God started talking with him, and he was having dreams and, and commitment, not knowing at the time until after the case broke, that he came from a family of pastors, and his grandmother was a praying grandmother, and she was mm-hmm. over, mm-hmm. like, several, several churches up north up in Chicago. And so she had been praying for him to receive his calling. And so when he took this case, God began to deal with him and his dreams and his visions. And he would, you know, go out in the middle of the night because he would have a dream and, 
of a place that she may be, and he would check that place. I mean, his side of the story was just absolutely amazing. And um, come to find out out now that he is a bishop. He's a pastor. No, he's a bishop now over over several churches, and he still works. Um, He's moved up the ranks from an officer. Now he's a big-time detective breaking cases on a higher level with human trafficking. Amen. Amen. Woo. Um, I need to get him on my show too. That's so, right. Walk us through that walk us through that pivotal turning point where you finally found your daughter. Well, I, I tell everybody the same story. It was on a Wednesday night and I was totally exhausted. I was burnt out. I was at my wit's end and I was gonna go to Bible study that night and I just couldn't even put my clothes on to move out my house. I just could not do it. I was weighed down. So I decided to stay home, um, and I turned on t- the television, and I turned to TBN, and um, soon as I turned on TBN, instantly, T.D. Jakes was on the television. He said, there's a woman watching. So instantly, I'm perking up, like, what are you getting ready to say? He said, there's a woman watching, and your daughter's missing. And God said that she will be home before Christmas. And instantly, I talked back to the television, and I told God, I said, what you can do in December, you can do tonight. And I jumped up off that couch with just a challenge of faith. I, I can't explain it. I was just, I just knew God could do it, and I challenged him to do it. I said, if you be my God, then she comes home tonight. And right then and there, he started speaking to me through the Holy Spirit. He reminded me of a number that um, Shadi had called from. Shadia called me from a phone number when she was, um, I guess they had her down at the underground. Mm-hmm. And she called me, and when she called me that day, I was so excited. I was talking, what's going on? Where are you? I didn't get her, give her the opportunity to explain anything to me. And um, the conversation was very brief, and um, we, we were disconnected. So I immediately I hung that number back up, and I called the number back, and the young lady says, well, Somebody asked, can I use their phone? A young lady asked me, can they use the phone? I don't know who she is. Well, I wrote that number down, and I just didn't write a name. I didn't write any notes on it, but I wrote it down. So back to the Wednesday night, God told me to find that number and call that number back. Well, so I took off out of the living room, and I ran around the house for hours, going through drawers, papers, and then I just, you know, I couldn't find it, and I just came back to the same place. I said, God... Where is the number? And he just spoke to me clearly. He said, pull out the kitchen drawer next to the refrigerator, bend down, and the number is wedged between the back of the wall. So I was able to find that number, a needle in a haystack, and Mm -hmm. I called that number back, and I said, listen, the young lady answered the phone. I said, listen, I'm going to send your number into the FBI, the CIA, the police, Batman, you're going to jail know where my daughter is and I, I, I need some answers and so um, she dropped the phone she's calling and screaming in the background praising God I'm like what is going on this woman is mad you know what I'm saying I'm thinking I'm trying to I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have this major scare tactic with her and she's going to trouble and tell me everything she dropped the phone and she's in the background praising God calling her grandmother grandmommy grandmommy this is the lady whose daughter is missing the lady's daughter's missing and so she comes back to the phone and she 
proceeds to tell me that we have been praying that you call me back for months. She said, because the day that you called me, I was I knew who your daughter was because I was one of the girls that was holding her. And she said, um, you know, because her grandmother was a praying grandmother, she was able to come out of that situation, <laughs> and she gave her life to Christ. And from the time that she came out of that situation, she knew that she had lied to me, and it haunted her. And so she prayed that I would call her back. And not only did she stay in prayer, not only did she stay in prayer, but she kept her ear to the street specifically to keep an eye on Sade from a distance. And so she knew that, and she told me straightway, she said, listen, if you hadn't called tonight, they are going to sell her tonight to a trafficker in, out of New York. Come on. So instantly, I was, I was like, oh, my God. This, this is this is this is, this is going down tonight. So I instantly called um, Officer Mark House, and I got him on a three-way call with her, and I let him listen to her without her knowing that he was on the phone. And I told she began to tell me where they were going to be, um, that they were going to be taking um, her and a group of girls to the Atlanta Bonding Company because she had been arrested. Um, Know, for exploitation, like you said, um, and not prostitutes, but she had to be um, released from her bond, and so they didn't want to send her to a trafficker out of out of New York with her not having that that legal paperwork um, released the, the mm-hmm. previous owner on that paperwork. So what happens is that they were going to be reporting there, and she knew that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Mark House, he found, got the information. He called the GBI, the police, and um, they headed down there. And so I just knew at that point in time for me to just go run upstairs and get my coat and my boots, and I'm getting ready to go and be a part of this bus. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, you have to stay home. You cannot, this is now, your <laughs> police citizenship has come to an end. This mm-hmm. is for real police, and we're really going in. So I was devastated with that, but... I was able to stay on the phone with her and convince um, the young lady to go down to the um, to the Atlanta Bonding Company and wait for the bus because uh-huh. I wanted to hear, I wanted to see, I wanted her to report to me. So she got there before they did, probably maybe 45 minutes to an hour almost um, before. So we were able to talk for a while, and, um, you know, she was able to explain a lot to me. And then all of a sudden, you know, She's like, there's a helicopter in the sky. And I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Here they come. Here they come. I mean, it was like I, I, was, I, was, I was running around the house. I was so nervous. I didn't know what the, the jump, laugh, cry. I was just so emotional. Like, oh, my gosh. It was like watching a movie in my head. And she's like, there's, there's a helicopter, and they've got the spotlights. And I was like, hey, what else do you see? And what else do you see? And then you can hear this barrage of woo, 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 woo. I mean, they were coming east, west. You know, I mean, they came in like Hawaii 5-0 from back in the Uh day. They were, you know, um, you know, coming in. And so she got really nervous and she said, um, because they shut the whole parking lot down and she had her own children in her car. And she said, Uh you tricked me. They're going to take me to jail. They're going to take me to jail. And I said, no, they're just going to have to just make sure that everyone's there. So long story short, um, we were able to, uh, I was able to hear all of that and they came and they did a big raid um, 
and they were able to get Sade. And, um, you know, it was funny because I remember um, Officer House telling me that um, when he talked with her, he said, do you know who I am? He asked her, and she said, no. But she said, um, I know that my mom sent you. I, I knew I was going home because of prayer, something to that amount. But she told oh me that God. day, she said she knew something was going on because she did, she felt happy. She felt like something was going to break. Um, mm-hmm. So it didn't surprise her that she was um, rescued that day. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell you. If you don't think that God, Chardé, if you don't think that God does not love you, I mean, he sent a freaking helicopter and all those, you know, uh, police officers to come and to rescue you. I mean, if you've never felt loved before, I tell you, that day you should have known that um, you are loved, you know, you're from the, from the love of, of Christ. Um, your mom's love that extended onto the, you know, the, the officers. I mean, I tell you, you don't, if you ever feel like, you know what, I don't know if people love me or not, or does God love me? I tell you what, you better re- reflect upon that day to know how much mm-hmm. he loves you, that he um, kept you, you know, that long. I mean, Jesus, that, if that story did not Send chills up your spine. You have to have been mm-hmm. be a zombie. There's no way that you could not listen to that. And I'm gonna tell you, um, your story needs to be it's cinematic. You know, mm-hmm. I, I believe that somebody is going to hear this and say, mm-hmm. I want to make a movie about her life. Um, because I'm not gonna lie, not, it felt like a movie. <laughs> it is. When I got rescued, it nowhere. It's so dramatic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was um, definitely dramatic. Yeah. Goodness gracious, and it's such a, it's a harrowing story. It, it touches the mm-hmm. heart. Um, we we we're gonna have to do that. Uh, and so I have to take another break. I have been awful at these um commercial breaks. I'm gonna take one more commercial break. Normally I'm a bit more professional, but I'm gonna tell you, I'm just like I'm trying to pick my mouth up from the the ground and you know trying to get these chills off my my back. Um, so any everybody, please um, stay put while we pay some bills. Hold on just a moment. Hello everybody. My name is Minister Annie Bell. And I am the host of Irene's Blog Talk Radio Show, where we endeavor to bring talk therapy to survivors of child abuse, sex trafficking, and other traumas, as well as being the vehicle by which we use to bring awareness and resources to the community to aid in the prevention of these abuses. Irene, which is a declarative acronym for the individual survivor that means I, I identify myself as a survivor, no longer a victim. R, reclaim my life. E, excel at living. I, illuminate the dark. G, grow in Christ. And N, nurture myself and others. This declarative acronym has developed into a victorious lifestyle brand that empowers and aids in the healing journey of our survivors of abuse, sex trafficking, and other traumas. 
I have also written a book entitled with the namesake, I Reign, A Survivor's Guide to Thrive, which is now available at Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble. Pick up your copy today and join me every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. here on We Inspire Network Radio, where together, through God, we win. If we endure, we shall reign with Him. Welcome back to I Rain Blog Talk Radio Show with your host, Minister Annie Bear. All right. Thank you, everybody, for staying tuned with us. We are um, entering our last quarter hour, and um, I have kept these young ladies on way past their bedtime, but I appreciate <laughs> you so much. This, again, uh, for those who are just tuning in, this is the Irene Blog Talk Radio Show, powered by We Inspire Network Radio, and I am Minister Annie Bell. Again, for those who do not know, Irene is an outreach of Wealth Management Ministries Incorporated. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and so feel free to donate because um, this is a, this this is something that we don't um, get any funds for. You know, we're not making money off of it. These radio shows are um, uh, purely not for profit. So, if anyone like would like to make a donation, feel free to do so so that we can keep coming on the air and bringing riveting stories like this uh, to to your ears. Now, um, Angela, thank you so much for sharing that story. It was, I tell you, it was just mind-blowing. And um, I thank God for speaking to you so candidly, um, you know, telling you where to find the phone number. Oh, my gosh. He is so awesome. He's so detailed. and. I, I'm, his presence was like nothing else. I, I tell you, that day I could have walked through the wall. I could have done any and everything. Yes, <laughs> walk on water, hallelujah. Exactly. I could. I could tell you. I. I felt like I was cloaked with faith. Like I could. I had mm. unwavering faith. And if I can honestly say, I really wish to get to that level where I can walk in that every day. Because I. I know that level of faith. I can't explain it, but it was it was it was on me. It wasn't necessarily. Yeah. It's like what Paul said: "Help my unbelief." He it was mm-hmm. that added help that he added that extra help to my faith that I believed that he could do it. Because once mm. T.D. Jake said that God said that there's a woman talking, um, a, a woman, um, your daughter's missing. I knew God was talking to me. Mm-hmm. Amen. So and you know, it was just belief. Yes, and I, I when you do uh, shoot, he might be the one that's gonna. Um, you better come on and prophesy. Come on now, <laughs> he's all up in there and through there. You know what yes, I'm saying? Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I tell you, yes, we need to we need to pull his ear. Now, um, Chade, thank you so much for sticking with us. Tell me, do you, you have know. any advice that you can give to another young person in hopes to prevent them from being trafficked? Yes, um, definitely. I would say when it comes to relationships with parents, sometimes, you know, it's kind of hard to have open communication. 
but if we can learn to, you know, communicate with our children, you know, you know, get get involved more, you know, sometimes you never know what what children are going through. They could be going through bullying and peer pressure and all kind of stuff and sometimes children bottle that up. You know, mm-hmm. don't keep it inside. Have somebody to talk to, even if it's not your parents, you know, that's how you feel. You know, I I feel like um, having building relationships with people that you can trust is very important because if your family and people you can trust your mom and your dad is telling you that you're beautiful, then a guy on the street can tell you that you're beautiful and he can go out of one ear and out the other because you already know that about yourself. Mm-hmm. So I feel like um, having that in your life is good. Um, just I don't know, I would do a lot, you know, emotionally and spiritually. So I feel like even if you have a pastor or a youth leader, you know, be involved in the church, you know, it's just different things that you can do because sometimes you can feel like you're pushed to the back and that mm-hmm. can cause so much, you know, and you can you can definitely reach out to other people and, you know, as far as girls that have been through my situation I can definitely say that that's not who you are. Never that's let right. your situation be your never let identify. Yeah, identify you. You know, your situation mm-hmm. doesn't have to identify you. That's so, right. Um, you you can you can make it. That doesn't have to be something that you have the result to go back to because I battled that, and um, that's not who I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I might have went through that, but I had to realize that you don't have to continue to go through that. You know That's that right. trauma doesn't have to be your future. Mm-hmm. So um, love yourself, definitely, definitely. Make sure you love yourself, and you know, and especially young girls and young guys, just go and get your education. There's nothing in these streets. You know, there's nothing that you can't do for yourself. You can make your money. You can go to school to be a doctor, a nurse. You know, you can make your way. You don't have to look towards showing your body and, you know, having to be half naked to get attention. You don't. Because I feel like sometimes people that do that really don't care about themselves. You know, you have people, you know, like Kim K posting pictures being naked. You're a married woman. But, you know, she doesn't understand that children look at that and think it's okay. Mm-hmm. So now you got girls walking around half naked, but they're getting snatched up and sold. Exactly. Those are you powerful know, so. words. Very mm-hmm. powerful. Um, and you must have been listening to some of my shows because you, you're saying the same thing that I was saying. That <laughs> you know, parents, you know, we if we if we would just take a moment to say, "I love you. You are beautiful. Mm-hmm. You are handsome," mm-hmm. um, and 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 make sure we sew that into their um, soul. Then mm-hmm. perhaps you know they that's Praise just one children. extra layer exactly, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you know we also have to to add to that we also as parents we have to know our child because uh, one right. thing that may work for one child may not work for another and so we need to mm-hmm. know what is their love language mm-hmm. you know um, mm-hmm. it's not just a little fun game to play to do your uh, love language assessment. I mean, just do that. On You can get it online, lo- lovelanguages.com by Gary Chapman, so that you can learn your the, the way that they feel 
that their love bucket is being filled because when it's empty and it's running on empty, you know, they're not hearing your words of praise. They're not, you know, feeling that you are, Mm -hmm. that you love them. So it's so very pertinent. And just by taking that extra time and effort, you could keep them from running away or from getting, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, falling into the tricks of um, these traffickers. Now, uh, Angela, what advice would you give to parents who may have missing children? Now, understanding that, you know, that this could happen to any child, what advice would you give to parents who do not have any missing children currently? Okay. Well, one of the things, if you if your child is not missing and you've been blessed to have your child home with you safe, educate them on programs like this, like your radio Hello. show. Educate on, them somebody. on, um, instead of, you know, having them watch foolishness all day, make them do a, a report during the summertime. Make them do a study. Have them watch videos. Because I think, you know, a lot of times we... We stop educating our children because, you know, we think of reading math science. No, do an educational project with your child on human trafficking. Do an educational project with your child on, you know, um, stranger danger. You know, make this part of your uh, safety program in your house. I mean, my kids, you know, I I used to do fire drills, and they used to call me the safety police. It was like, Mom, you're crazy. You're waking everybody up at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, (laughs) to do a fire drill. Because I just, you know, I, I just believe in, you know, educating our family. And so if we start with tools like that for those who are still blessed to have their children, I think that will help keep their children. And for those, unfortunately, that are going through the test of a missing child, I would say never stop praying. You pray and you pray and you pray. God hears everything, and he takes our tears and he puts them in his bottle, and that you are never alone. You know, um, I would tell them to uh, definitely you want to go through all the formalities of contacting the police and making a missing persons report, you know, contacting the news. But once you have done all that you can do, you stand in prayer. You never Mm -hmm. let the child go. You call that child's name out constantly. You know, I used to go into Shadi's room and take her clothes and lay them in her bed, and I would get in the bed, and I would just talk with her like she was there and I would tell her whatever's going on just go to a quiet place in Jesus and I would meditate and I remember one time of having falling asleep in that mindset and um, seeing us together at a park you know and so the spiritual world God gave us these gifts and tools to use through his son Jesus Christ and so we can use them you know we have the ability to use them and to conquer the enemy that has taken, you know, um, a child, um, you know, from us and to fight that case in the courts of heaven as well. Yes. Amen. Amen. And I want to add something. As sad as it is, we have parents and other caregivers who are trafficking their children. And Mm -hmm. so... Uh, it's it's no longer just about stranger danger because we have more incidences of people being children being abused and being um, raped and trafficked by people that they already know. So exactly. it's very 
very important that we teach both sides, stranger danger, uncle, aunt, dad, mom, you know, that there is someone who can help you. If you're in a situation where it is a family member who is trafficking you, you can still get rescued. You can still um, uh, uh, receive help. So um, anyone out there listening. Now, we got about uh, about four minutes here, and, and so I want to hear more about Fashion for Life. Um, could you share what, what your organization does? Okay, it seems like we have some technical difficulties here. Um, We're going to give just a few minutes for them to uh, get back on. So while we're waiting for them, let's go ahead and take another quick break. Hello, my name is Minister Lloyd Bell, Jr., CEO of We Inspire Network Radio. God bless you, and I am Minister Annie Bell, the COO of We Inspire Network Radio. We had you, our listeners, in mind when we created We Inspire Network Radio, or as we like to call it, Win Radio. We incorporated your thoughts and opinions to ensure that our programming will embody true inspiration. And we will continue to bring relevant and heartfelt shows that cater to the needs and wants of our growing listener base. Please, subscribe to our network so that you can stay connected. Join us here every week where together, through God, we win. Welcome back to I Rain Radio Show with your host, Minister Annie Bell. All right, all right. We are here the last few minutes um, of the Irene Blog Talk Radio Show. And so, um, Angela, I was asking you, could you share a little bit about Fashion for Life and what you guys do? Yes. Fashion for Life is our nonprofit organization that addresses, undresses, and redresses those that are impacted by human trafficking, and just not just even human trafficking, but those things that are um, eating at the fabric of our society. So we have um, several different ways that we get our message across. Just recently, as of Sunday, we launched our I Am Royalty, um, the Boutique Chronicles series, um, and that series includes the Not For Sale campaign, and it's in solidarity or as an extension of the Me Too movement through fine shops, um, boutiques, so that we can um, have fashion shows and auctions and an awareness component, and I'm super excited about it. Um, the event was a huge success, and um, we're looking forward to doing those things, not just here, but globally. That sounds great. I saw the pictures, and again, I loaded those pictures up on the slideshow. You're probably, um, if you're listening online, you probably see it going past there. Um, and it looked like it was a lot of fun, but it's, you know, it's great when you can have fun and you know you're doing it for a good cause. So um, uh, what are the future events? And uh, I know that y'all are working to do some uh, legislative changes. Uh, can you share yes, anything yes. about that? Mm-hmm. Well, we have a, an event coming up March 25th, and it's a private event, but we are um, excited about it. It's called the... Um, 
the Queens and Princess Empowerment Brunch is going to be held at a, a private location where the girls that have been affected by human trafficking will have a day of pampering. Um, they'll get their nails and their hair done. They will have a vision board. We will have speakers um, coming in. Um, we also will have a networking component to them so that they could meet uh, professional women. Some of them may desire to dream, uh, may have dreams of being a pilot or a basketball player or a lawyer or a doctor. So we want to partner with um, women that are in diverse career paths. And then we're going to have an elaborate royal brunch fit for a queen and a princess. Because, mm. you know, we are royalty. And so right. um, we're not we're not for sale, but we are royalty. And that event, again, is March 25th. Um, and you're right, we do have a law in honor of Sade. It's called Safety, Sheltering Adolescents from Destructive Environments. And that law is um, actually been funded and sponsored, let me say sponsored by Senator Gonzella James. And um, it should be hitting the House floor as early as next week. Gosh, that is great work. I applaud you for all the work that y'all are doing. And um, how can my listeners get in touch with you? Um, They can go to fashionforlife.org. That website actually is being updated with all the information that we just went through with our our show that we had on Sunday. They can also reach us on Instagram at the F4L Project. That's F the number 4L project also on Facebook at Fashion for Life they can reach us there as well wonderful and our in our in our email in our email our email is fashion the number 4 life info at gmail that's fashion the number 4 life info at gmail great great Sade and Angela Thank you so, so very much for um, being on the show. And, uh, again, I just applaud you for all the work that you are doing and the courage that you have to come out. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. So, everybody, uh, thank you again for uh, tuning in. It is, uh, I've kept you all night, and I appreciate you staying and listening uh, to, the, to the broadcast tonight. Uh, to make a donation or to get in touch with me or my team, please go to www.wealthmngt.org or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, I reign stop abuse and abolish sex trafficking. And on the uh, Facebook, it is Prevention Works, Joint Task Force and Coalition. So repeat after me. I reclaim my life. I excel at living. I illuminate the dark. I grow in Christ and nurture myself and others. Thank you so much for staying um, in tuned and let's reign together. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.
together, together.